you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. sunny Florida. It's a good time to leave Florida right now. I know it's a little warm down there, but you come up here and brought the heat with you. 94, Brother Brandon say 94 this week, the 1st of June in Indiana. That's like Texas weather. My mercy, but I'm not complaining. John chapter 3, let me just preach today. John chapter 3. Thank you for your prayers. Um, I am better. strengthen my body, my voice specifically, and uh, I appreciate the coming from prayer. John chapter 3, verse number 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be you to say that with me. You must be born again. By the help of the Lord, I'm going to preach. I I don't know how we could possibly have service without having a screen up here. I mean, it's like we're crippled here. I hope you can remember what I'm going to preach today without, uh, as I take a rabbit trail here and there, I know occasionally you have to look up and say, let me see what is it he's actually preaching about today. You don't have that luxury, so I've got to hold your attention today. By the help of the Lord, I'm going to preach this morning, born this way, born this way.
this way. Would you pray with me? Lord, we love you this morning, God, and thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit and your power. God, we're believing that you're going to help us this morning, that every person under the sound of my voice will be touched by the spirit of God and by the power of your word. Lord, that those that have never been born again of the water and the spirit may be born again today of the water and of the spirit. I thank you, Lord, for the wonderful experience, the baptism of your spirit. We thank you for it, the infilling of your Holy Ghost, God. We're thankful that we were born this way. We love you and honor you in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. You can be seated. In the book of Exodus, we find a priest named Aaron. And it was Aaron who became the first priest over Israel. Melchizedek, of course, which is a very mysterious character in Scripture, was the first priest uh, mentioned in Scripture. Aaron was the first high priest over Israel. And then if we follow the lineage of Aaron, we will see that those priests of Aaron who followed him clearly acquired soul right into Aaronic priesthood. After Aaron, we read about the anointing of the Levitical priesthood. Now, I know in the onset, you're probably thinking, uh, let's hit the snooze button. Uh, pastor's going to be talking Old Testament stuff, but just for a few moments, I'm going to try to make some sense out of this, all right? You stay with me this morning? The Levitical priesthood was originally made up of those who performed services associated with public worship, it was the tribe of Levi or the Levites who were the musicians. We had some Levites up here this morning playing music and singing and leading worship. That would have been the job of a specific tribe called the Levites. And the Levites were a were all the priests came out of the tribe of Levi. They were Levites, and it was a Levitical priesthood. They were the gatekeepers, the guardian of the temple, and everything that was holy was managed by the Levites. The Levites were one of the tribes of Israel who descended from Levi, who was one of the 12 sons of Jacob, that went on to become a high priest over Israel. Some scholars believe that the fact that the Levites stood, stood strong in true worship, that this may have been the reason that God chose the Levites and elevated them to a point of priestly status. The Levites had full responsibility of the tabernacle or temple worship. So everything that happened in the tabernacle or in the temple was connected to the, the Levites, this specific tribe, uh, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. In order to become a Levitical priest or in order to work in, around, or about the tabernacle, in order to hold any position um, of spiritual significance um, in 
order to in order to hold any any office um, or perform any duties of a priest, they must be born into the family of priests. It was a family tradition. In other words, they had to be born that way. If they weren't born into the family, they never had an option or an opportunity to ever serve. The only way that they could serve in the kingdom of God was to be born that way. It was the priest and then it was the sons of the priest that carried on the work of ministry of the tabernacle. There was obviously a generational anointing of the priesthood. And um, Exodus chapter 40 speaks a little bit about this. Along about verse number 15, the scripture said, And thou shalt anoint them as thou did anoint their father Aaron, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office, for their anointing shall surely be an everlasting priesthood throughout their generations. He was speaking about this generational anointing, but you had to be born into it. There was no option for anybody that wasn't born into it. You were just you were just out of luck. But if you were born into the right family with the right name from the right tribe in the right generation, you you may have an opportunity. The Levitical priests were to officiate over many of the offerings under the law of Moses. If you read through the Old Testament, you're going to see this theme that arises over and over again. It was the Passover sacrifice that the Levitical priesthood oversaw. It was the sin offering, the guilt offering. It was the scapegoat, the burnt offering, the peace offering, the heave offering, the meal offering, the drink offering, the thank offering. And they also were the ones who would burn incense. Among these priests, there was one anointed to be high priest to serve in the unique functions of the priesthood, such as entering into the holies of holies. And they could only do that once a year, one time on the Day of Atonement. Imagine this. This opportunity that some child would be born and think, oh, I I would like an opportunity to know what it's like to be in the Shekinah presence of God, to be able to know what it's like to be in God's presence. it, It was so far removed from the people because the only way that it could ever happen is you you had to be you had to be first you had to be an Israelite you had to be a Jew and then you had to be from one of the 12 tribes and the specific tribe called the tribe of Levi and of the Levites then the Levites then you had to be of a specific order and a specific bloodline and there had to be your dad had to have the certain last name it had to it had to function just right and you had to be 
you had to be uh, that firstborn. And it all had to follow in line. It was almost like uh, the, the opportunity to be able to, to be the one that would be chosen to go into the presence of God would be so incredibly rare that, that one would probably not even think about, hey, someday I may be the one chosen to go into the presence of God. It would have been so rare. Uh, the chance for you and I, of course, would have been nil. We don't come from the right lineage. We don't have the right, we, didn't, we don't come from the right background. And so for you and I, we could only read stories about the offering being placed upon the mercy seat and, and the presence of God coming down behind the veil in the tabernacle and, and consuming the sacrifice. We read about it, but but we we could never, ever experience anything like this. But but then in Exodus chapter 19, uh, verse number 6, the Lord gives us just a little, a little inkling maybe, just a little wink of insight um, in speaking to Israel, perhaps uh, even prophetically for this generation. And, and I love it when I see the Old Testament, which is Christ concealed, I like to see the uh, read and, and see the little prophetic insights into what is going to transpire in the New Testament where we can begin to see the concealment of Christ in the Old Testament become revealed in the New Testament for the New Testament church. Somebody say, that's me. And so if it was all Old Testament, there would be no opportunity for us. But New Testament, there then becomes opportunity for us. And so Exodus chapter 19, verse number 6, gives a little insight into what we may be experiencing today. God is speaking to Israel prophetically to this generation. And he said, uh, and, and ye shall be unto me a of priests. See, uh, it was not speaking about uh, a, a specific family, a specific group. It was, it was, it was a, a, a tribe of people. But he said, no, it's not just going to be a tribe. It's going to be an entire kingdom. It's going to be a kingdom. And of course, Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom. He said, my, my kingdom is, is not meat and drink. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. He goes on about his kingdom, talks a lot about the kingdom and the kingdom which was to come. And of course, we understand that this is the kingdom of Christ. And and, and, and I'm most certain that this was pro prophetic uh, terminology used for the New Testament church, which is where we are today. First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse number 9 speaks a little bit about it. And it says, we, we who one time were afar off. We were a long ways away from God. We who one time were in this world without God and having no hope. We were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. We were strangers from the covenant of promise. Uh, and the scripture talks about all of those things. That, that's you and I. It's talking about the, the Gentiles, the, those of us who would have never been able to do anything more than just simply read about the presence of God, but never be able to come into the presence of God. Exodus gives us insight that he was going to, that the Lord was going to have a kingdom of 
priest he used. And then in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9, the scripture said, but you are, talking about us, the New Testament church, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, he said. See, you, you, you see the, ter- the terminology as it is changing? The terminology, it, it's that you are, you are a royal, you're a chosen generation. God has specifically chosen you and you are a royal priesthood. Me, I've been nothing royal here. I, I'm broke, busted, and, 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 and born on the backside of a, a, a of, of, of town somewhere. But no, that's not who God said, what God said about you and I. He said, but you are a, a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. Can I pause for a moment? I didn't know the youth were going to be in the room this morning, but I want to look these youth in the eye this morning and tell you that when you walk down the halls of your school and somebody snickers because you may be living holy and righteous and you may say no to the party or no to the event because you know it's not godly and righteous, don't let that get in your skin, you are a chosen, you are a chosen generation, you are a royal priest, God has set you apart for the purpose, come on child of God, you don't have to bow your head in shame because you announce I am a Christian, I am a child, you are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, that's who you are. That's who God says you are. That's who God says you are. I, I would be foolish to ignore the generational blessings that our children and grandchildren have experienced because they were born this way. My children were born fifth generation apostolic. There's, there's great blessing to having a her- the heritage of God. Um, they learn from from our mistakes, and they grow from our experiences. Their ministries are launched off of our shoulders, so they go further than we ever could have gone. They they learn young what it took years for us to learn, and so when you stack that in generations and you create layers of that, the biblical knowledge, the biblical understanding was talking to a pastor friend of mine a few days ago and he made a statement regarding preaching and he said preaching preaching of course is a subjective subject but we have the best preachers today that the world has ever known there's no lack of good oratory there's no lack of good preaching incredible music and singing and worship and and this is because we're not people that's out trying to to dig it out for ourselves. We, we, many of us were born generational. We're generational Christians, and so we we launched off the shoulders of of family and learned young what it took them years to gain. and And there's a blessing then in what we pass down. Hear me this morning. Don't ever take lightly the fact that your parents or grandparents or great-grandparents sacrificed to raise you in the house of God. 
This is the great, oh, I should have got a greater applause than that because that statement is the most powerful statement I can make in this house this morning. Being raised in this apostolic truth is a blessing, not a curse. And it's a blessing to watch my children, my kids, as they grow and go beyond what uh, I ever dreamed that they would be able to accomplish. Uh, But then also let me say to you this morning, don't fret if you are first generation apostolic. I I, I don't want to leave you out this morning, and I'm going to try to tie this together in a real pretty little bow here in a few moments, but while... Uh, The craft and skill may be different for those without a heritage of uh, the kingdom of God. Um, You must understand that the anointing of God uh, is just as powerful upon you because God no longer follows the Levitical priesthood. He no longer follows the bloodline of a specific person and says, hey, this is the bloodline, and this is the example, and this is who you learn from, and if you don't, if you don't have this name, you, you, you cannot be in the presence of God. I thank God that those days, are, that was Old Covenant. Everybody say Old Covenant. That was Old Covenant. That was Old Testament. That was Old Covenant. But under the New Covenant, under the New Testament, there is the New Birth. And under the New Birth, thank God for the New Birth. Thank God for the New Birth. Oh, yeah, you still have to be born that way. Yes, you do, but it doesn't matter what last name that you were born on planet Earth with. You can be reborn that way. Yeah, you can be born of the water and of the spirit. And if you want to see the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again of the water and of the spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Jesus looks at the at, at, at the young man in John chapter 3 and says to him, Nicodemus, uh, you must be born again. He said, how can I enter a second time into my mother's womb and be reborn? And he said, don't marvel at this. Uh, don't get this confused. Uh, that's flesh. The flesh is flesh. Uh, but I'm not talking to you about flesh and blood. I'm talking to you about spirit and blood. Uh, I'm talking talking to you about something that is a higher level. I'm talking to you about something that the world cannot give you. Uh, Hear me this morning. It doesn't matter where you came from, what your economic status is, what you have done in your past. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. And when you are born again, you are made an heir. Yes, a joint heir with Christ. Uh, You are a fellow citizen with Christ. Uh, You are grafted into to the body, no, not the Levitical priesthood, into the kingdom of God. And when you're born again, when you repent and are baptized and filled with his spirit, you are born again and adopted into the body of Christ. That's right, you can shake the preacher's hand, but that won't save you. You've got to be born this way. You've got to be born this way. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Oh, if you're glad you've been born of the water and the Spirit, you ought to put your hands together and lift your voice and thank God for this incredible privilege. 
We are a kingdom of priests. So Christ becomes our example. Christ becomes our overseer. Unlike the Levitical priesthood, just because our family is born on a church pew doesn't mean they're going to automatically walk in the ways of the Lord. There's, there is a sense of responsibility on every generation. They must decide for themselves if I am going to be born again. It doesn't matter how spiritual. I addressed these youth a few moments ago, and maybe I should again to say it doesn't matter how religious, how spiritual, how long your family, what kind of tradition your family has in Christianity, in serving God and being apostolic, Pentecostal, born again of the water. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. You must be born again for yourself. You've got to do it for yourself. You see, you can't be, just because you're born on a church pew doesn't mean that you're automatically saved. You must be born again. We were all born into sin and shaped in iniquity. There's no big sin and little sin. There's no great person in, in the kingdom of God and, and, and small person in the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, in the kingdom of God, everything is in reverse. He says, he who is servant is going to be, is going to be the greatest. He who is last is going to be first. He just confuses everything because the way we think about it is oh, what is our economic status? How much money could I put in at the plate? How long has my family been part of the church? None of those things matter. What matters is that you are born again of the water and of the spirit. And here's the great thing. It doesn't even matter how long you've been living because the scripture said those that came in in the last hour still get the same payment as those that came in in the first hour. In these last days, we're seeing revival. We're seeing people come from the four corners of the earth. Don't get all bent out of shape when they come and they receive the same reward of you. That's the kingdom of God because God is no respecter of person. Whether you've been serving him an hour, a month, a year, or all of your life, you can be in the presence of God. Because we're born this way. We're born this way. If this glorious gospel is going to be carried to the next generation, it's going to be carried on the shoulders and by the voice of people like you and I. We must let the world know you must be born again. If you have children or grandchildren in these Sunday school classes this morning, thank God for it. But don't ever let them get the idea that just because they grow up in a Sunday school class means they're automatically, they're automatically ready. Oh, no, no, no. They must be born again. That time is going to come that they've got to make a decision for themselves. You're not born into this church because of your family name. You're not saved because of who your parents are or your grandparents' experience with God. You must be born again for yourself. Last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday, and I, my wife did such an amazing job at a short notice, and thank you for speaking to us last Sunday. I, I was very disappointed because I felt that the Lord had 
laid a word on my heart, and I had shared it with a couple of people. I, I was anxious to preach and ended up in ER and spent most of the night there and morning there. And my wife, at the last minute, just stepped up, and she knocked one out of the park last week on Pentecost Sunday. Um, last Sunday, of course, we talked a little bit, she talked a little bit about Pentecost Sunday and what that is 50 days after Easter, 50 days after the Passover. Um, but actually, to the New Testament church, it is more than just a feast day. Um, Pentecost was the birthday of the church. Imagine the world prior to Pentecost, the world without the church. Yes, there were righteous people, of course. But the unified efforts of the church were born on the day of Pentecost. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, and Revelation. In most translations, all in, that's the majority of the New Testament, all end, the last word, they all end with the word amen. They all come to an end, amen, which means in English, so be it. But Acts, the book of Acts, which tells about the beginning of the church, the book of Acts doesn't end with the word amen. Perhaps that's because amen reflects on what has been. But the book of Acts was intended to be a book of continuation. So it doesn't come to the end and say, the end. See, the world would like for us to believe that everything ended, that, that, that the infilling of God's Spirit, the outpouring of His Spirit ended in the book of Acts. It ended with 120 on the day of Pentecost, but then they've got to deal with the 3,000 that were added to the church the next day, and then the 5,000, and then they, they, gotta get, they have to deal with uh, uh, um, the, the promise being unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall come. They have to deal with that, and I, I, don't, I don't have to reconcile that in my own mind because I know this much. I, I know that he is still pouring out his spirit in these last days. A man reflects on what's been, but the book of Acts, it, 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 there is a continuation. We, we still are living in the book of Acts. We are an Acts generation. We are living in an Acts generation. People are still being born the same way today that they were born in the book of Acts. <laughs> they're still being born again. People in the book of Acts, see, they didn't know what was going on on the book of Acts when the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were in the upper room. They were in one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. It set up on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them but see, Pentecost did not end there because
because on over just a few more verses, they came and thought these people must be drunk and, 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 and others around were doubting. And, and they said, how do we hear these men speak uh, in, in our native languages? And, and they, they're not from our native country. And how, how is this going on? And, and, and finally, somebody yells out to the disciples and says, hey, uh, uh, men and brethren, what, what must we do? And Peter, of course, stands up and he begins to preach to them. And he says, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is to you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So in this there was the beginning of the modern day church. And still this day people are being born again the same way that they were being born on the day of Pentecost. I don't find them shaking preacher's hands and, and and signing up on the church roster or, or, or joining a country. I, no, 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 no. I tell you how, you're, how you become part of the church. You are born this way. You are born of the water and born of the spirit. Just like Jesus looks at Nicodemus and says, marvel not, you must be born again. Pentecost is not a denomination. It's an experience. some things you just can't describe. Uh, certain things you try to describe it and it's like, ooh, I wish I had better words to be able to explain it. Maybe that's why David said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because he's like, yeah, there's some things you just have to experience for yourself. Pentecost is not a denomination. Pentecost is an experience. And some things you have to experience for yourself. See, we can talk about Pentecostal. You can put whatever name you want to. But the truth is, the, the, the book of Acts, the Bible, biblical experience that of being born again is only found in the book of Acts. The only place you're going to find it in Scripture, it is all through the book of Acts. When people ask what they must do to be saved, they are told, repent and be baptized and be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that evidence of the Holy Spirit coming in is going to be when there is an overflow by speaking with other tongues. Tongues in of itself is not the Holy Ghost. It is the overflow of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Ghost. And David, of course, he says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I, 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 I'm trying, to, I'm trying to, to arrive at an ending somewhere here in the next few moments, but I'm trying to also to help you understand that until you taste of this heavenly gift. Uh, I can talk about it and preach about it and you're going to be skeptical of it and you're going to wonder if it is for you but I'm telling you it's for you and it's for your children too and it's for their children because as it was on the day of Pentecost people are still being born this same way. Marvel not that I say unto you you must be born again. Many years ago the religious world began trying to discount Pentecostalism and the Pentecostal experience. Many early and modern, early modern Pentecostals were mocked or even scorned. Um, much has changed today. Today, most mainstream denominations are in decline. Churches are closing, but Pentecostalism is thriving. And people wonder why I actually sit in Applebee's, my wife and I, and some others, and 
one of the a board member of a local uh, renowned assembly uh, was sitting across from me, came over to where I was and started talking. He said, I don't understand. He said, you, you guys are building buildings and growing and new people. And, and, and he said, our church is, is just declining. And he said, I've watched over the years and we've declined. I need to know what is it, what is it that you are doing? And, and I, 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 didn't have, I, I tried to explain that. All I could say to him was just, just, just come and visit. That's all I could say to him, just, just come and visit. Because me trying to explain to you is going to sound like I'm trying to be holier than thou and that I'm going to try to tell you that I, 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 got, I know something that you don't know. And, and whether I do or not, I, you're, you're going to have to decide that on your own. But this much that I do know, here's what, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, Peter, uh, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. What is the rock? It's upon the revelation of Jesus Christ, the name of Jesus Christ. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. That's why we baptize in Jesus' name. That's why we know the Holy Ghost comes in Jesus' name. Everything comes through the name, and it is upon the revelation of the name. Upon this rock I shall, will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I don't worry about what's happening in the world and the decline of the church because the church is not going to decline. It's his church. It's built on the name of Jesus Christ. Started in Acts chapter 2 and it's still thriving today because you are born this way. I've got to hurry. I've got to hurry. In Acts chapter 2, the account was so that people came from the four corners of the earth and it's noised abroad. It, it got the attention of everybody. And the Holy Ghost is poured out. And of course, the Bible says that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, that, that means it was, the, it, was, it was a whole feast time. But ultimately, you get to the ultimate day of Pentecost, which is the 50th day. So it's a celebration week, uh, all sorts of feasts and things going on. But now Pentecost comes, the day of Pentecost, which was a feast day. That's why it's called Pentecost, because it was an Old Testament feast day. But Pentecost now no longer means anything about a feast. That's not what it's about. It's not about the feast. It's just the day that marks the foundation and the beginning of the church. And so I don't really care if you want to call me Pentecostal, if you want to call me apostolic, if you want to call me Bible-believing, if you want to call me Jesus' name, if you want to call me Holy Roller, if whatever you want to call me doesn't really matter to me because it doesn't hurt my feelings. I was born this way. See, my daddy was pastored when I was born. I was born, raised up on the second pew on the left side of a little Pentecostal church in East Texas. It's all I've ever known. I've been around it my whole life. It's, a, it's all, I was born this way. But along about seven years old, God got a hold of me on a Thursday night in February in 1975. And I'll never forget that February night when the Lord filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And the next Sunday, I went to a little church in St. Augustine, Texas was baptized outdoors under a pine tree in a, in, in a horse trough and I went down in Jesus name and was filled once again all over again with a baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's how I know that I was born because this is the only way there is to be born. There's no other formula in scripture. You must be born again of the water and of the spirit. I hasten to a close this morning. 
John the Baptist said in Matthew chapter 3, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he coming that comes after me is more mighty than I, whose shoes I'm unworthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Here's, the, here's what you've got to understand about the, the coming of Jesus Christ and the setting up of the church is that nobody knew that the Holy Ghost was going to be poured out on the day of Pentecost. Nobody knew that. When Jesus, before he ascended up into heaven, he looks at those gathered there and he says, go and tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued or filled with power from on high. They went there. Was it the plan and mind of God? Of course but nobody knew that. They went to the upper room in Jerusalem and was there. they were there gathered in tarrying in prayer and worship and, and, and waiting. They were tarrying. They were just waiting for this Holy Ghost to be poured out. They didn't know when it was going to come. Then here's the thing about revival, and here's the thing about the outpouring of God's Spirit. Revival and the outpouring of God's Spirit is a verbing. It's not a scheduled event. Anybody with me this morning? It's not a scheduled event. It is a birthing. That means when the baby's ready to be born, it's going to happen. We're not in control of the timing or the rhythm. It's the natural function when the body is ready. It's going to happen. Let me tell you about this end time apostolic outpouring and revival. If we could, we would schedule it and we would organize it and we would pare it all down and say, hey, come on these days and this is when God's going to do it. It's never been that way because it has always been a birthing. There has always been a birthing. I wish I could tell you this morning, I, I will tell you this morning that anybody in this room that's never been filled with his spirit can be filled with his spirit this morning. You can be. It is, but it is a birthing. It is between you and God. I'll pray with you. The church will pray with but it is a birthing. I'm not in charge of the time. God is in charge of the time, but he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And you too can be born this way. I'm not ashamed of this great, glorious truth. This glorious gospel. Come on, CLC. We can't be ashamed of what God has blessed us with. The angels, the Bible said the angels desire to look in to this precious gift. Oh, here's what I say. Gone are the days of meaningless traditional church as usual, going through the motions of just showing up and leaving. I don't have time for all of that. I'll go do something else. Gone are the days of, of dead, dry, boring, religious. I am done with formalism. Bring me a red-hot revival service that's birthed in prayer and tarrying for the Holy Ghost. Oh, come on, church. We've got to do more than just show up on Sunday, but we've got to come with faith, and we've got to come believing, and we've got to understand this is a birthing. This is a birthing. Church, there's folks in the room this morning that's never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Uh, you want to know when they're going to receive it? When Zion travails. There is a responsibility upon the church. Stand with me this morning. The 
world needs to know there is a Savior, and his name is Jesus. I preached a lot this morning and made a long journey through Scripture. Hopefully it, it was simple enough that you could follow along. But I do understand this. Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. I must and we must be a voice to this generation. Our elders have brought us to where we are. Thank God for all that they've done. This church was founded before I even breathed my first breath of life. I thank God for that. I thank God for all the labor and the work and the giving that has brought this church to where it is. But it is up to you and I to continue this to the next generation. But they've got to get it for themselves. But before we worry about them getting it for themselves, we have to get it for ourselves. You must be born again. You must be born this way. There is no other way of salvation outside of the name of Jesus, outside of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, outside of repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. There is no other way except a man be born again of the water and the Spirit. He cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed with me in the room now. If I've spoken to you this morning, if I've enlightened you with Scripture this morning, if God has spoken and moved upon your heart today, I, I implore you and I invite you to make a decision, a decision to step from where you are and walk to the front of this room today. It may seem difficult, but it's really not. It'll be the best decision you've ever made to walk to the front of this room today and say, God, I'm coming. I want to walk in your way. I want to walk in your will. If you've never repented of your sins, today's the day of salvation. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, we have robes ready. We have water. It's warm. It's ready. We will baptize you in Jesus' name. If you've never been filled with the Spirit, we'll pray with you today, and God will fill you with the baptism of His Spirit all over the room right now. If that's you, if I've spoken to you today, why don't you throw a hand up in the air right now and just say, Pastor, that's me. You've talked to me this morning. God bless you. I see hands raised all over the room. Now I open the altars. If you have the courage to step forward, I open these altars this morning. Step forward from where you are and let's seek the Lord for a moment today. Oh, Jesus. Come forward seeking the Lord today. Don't be ashamed. Open your heart. Open your mouth. Cry out to the Lord today.
Would you just lift a hand toward heaven and talk to the Lord? Turn this house into a prayer room just for a moment today. I will say yes.